most of you will know me, I think, anyway. Um, so I'm Joy Hattersley. I've been a member here at Oasis uh, about four years since I retired from the NHS, having worked 40 years as an NHS community dietitian, which is the reason why Caroline's persuaded me to come and talk to you today. Um, so I've been coming to St Paul's again about four years. Um, my husband and I decided it was time to move on from a previous church, which is why we arrived here. Um, I said my work background's in the NHS, so I've been sort of advising on food and nutrition for many, many years. Um, part of this talk was one I did in the Hope and Depression course um, last year, but I've sort of revised it a bit to be less about depression, a bit more about healthy, positive things, hopefully. So, that you've gone on too far, Caroline, actually. Thank you, that's it. Um, I'm also... Yeah, you could do. Yeah, or I can. Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, no, no, the Bibles will be for later. It's fine. Um, so, first of all, to say, although uh, nutrition is important, we must also remember that food is actually. You got me? <laughs> food is actually a gift from God. Um, so, there are various, as, as uh, Julia said, various. Um, phrases and quotes about food and we'll look at some of those later on together hopefully um, so my first one really is whether you eat and drink whatever you do do it for the glory of God and that's from Corinthians and food is much more than fuel we use it for lots of other things we use it to celebrate to entertain to show our love for people to show care to show hospitality so it really is a way of blessing people and although we're looking at the the theoretical nutritional aspects of it we mustn't forget that it is actually a gift and it's something we should enjoy and we shouldn't in some ways beat ourselves up too much if we do some of the wrong things as well so it's a question of of balance with all these things. Um, but having said that, our series this morning, or this term, is about being part of the body of Christ. Um, and important, a part of that is that we care for ourselves, look after ourselves physically and mentally, so we are able to be part of the body and serve God as he wants us to. Um, some of you might have seen a thing that was in the paper a couple of weeks ago. It was a study published in the British Medical Journal about healthy habits... Um, looking at diet, smoking, exercise and alcohol. And actually for women of 50 who developed healthy habits, they apparently have 10 years of extra disease-free life, which is an extra 10 years in which we can serve God, look after our families, enjoy ourselves before we go off to glory, one hopes. Um, so there is evidence that it makes a difference. So the problem is, we can do the next one now. It's clever, isn't it? I'll do it on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the real difficulty now is actually how to decide what's healthy, what's a good choice, what we should be doing, because there is just so much information out there, um, so much new research, almost weekly there's some sort of new research published about what we should or what we shouldn't be doing, uh, advice changes, often as nutritionists or dietitians we'll get sort of told off that we keep changing our minds about things. Um, there's also, it's big business, marketing, sales, vested interests, there's all sorts of issues out there in terms of food. Uh, quite, some of you might be aware of the, the vegan sausage roll that's been launched by a well-known company. Um, in fact, they're giving their staff bonuses because they've sold so many of them. Um, but that's 
sort of going onto the um, the bandwagon, if you like, of veganism, which I'm about to talk about. Um, but they're marketing this particular sausage roll as being vegan, as being a healthy choice. When in fact, when you look at it nutritionally, it's exactly the same in terms of nutrition and being bad for you as the ordinary sausage roll was. Um, so I think you know you need to be careful that we're not going to these things. Um, another one I noticed last year was uh, shreddies were being marketed as vegan. Well, shreddies have always been vegan. It's not it's not new. So I think we just need to a bit need to be a bit careful um, with making decisions about things. And also look at, if you're seeing new research in the papers, also have a look and see who's sponsored the research. Because if you've got something telling you that cranberries or bilberries or something are good for you, it's, often it's been um, sort of subsidised by people who produce cranberries or bilberries. So it needs to be. Um, and our other issue now is actually more about the environmental impact of what we're eating. Um, you know, miles our food travels, how sustainable things are, whether we should be reducing our... Uh, meat consumption. So there's an awful lot of decisions out there to make, just not about healthy eating necessarily. Um, so we've already got to make our own judgments about what we eat, um, depending on our our health. Finances are a big issue with food as well. Food, good food is expensive, um, and the ethics of things like vegetarianism and veganism and so on. Um, so where do we go for for information? Um, so just a, a plug, really, for dietitians. Um, a dietitians fee nutritionists. And just to bear in mind that dietitians actually is a protected title. So to be a, to be a dietitian working in the NHS or wherever, um, you have to have a relevant degree, you have to be registered with Health Professional Council, you have to show every three years that you've done CPD, professional development, and so on. Um, whereas, in fact, anyone can call themselves a nutritionist. You can do a six-week postal course in nutrition and call yourself a nutritionist. Um, having said that, there are lots of nutritionists out there who do have degrees, and there's a voluntary register of them. Um, but that's, sort of, that's where sometimes you perhaps get slightly strange nutritional information from people perhaps who aren't fully qualified. Um, and our, my professional, well, what was my professional association, um, do produce fact sheets. So, in fact, on the handout, there is a link to the website which has quite a lot of non-biased fact sheets on which might be of interest. So, what I was going to do now is just run through various food groups and highlight some of the things which might be of issue um, or interest to us, or to bear in mind. So, looking at protein to begin with, and this, sorry if this sounds a bit like home economics that you did when you were... 12 or something, running through the food groups, but there we are. Um, so protein is our, it's our building blocks, it's our amino acids which um, we use for growth and repair. So obviously when we're growing, so when we're young, we need extra amounts. Um, when we're pregnant, when we're breastfeeding, or if we're recovering from something, uh, we all need extra, extra protein. Um, and traditionally, we'd have said meat, fish, cheese, eggs are the main sources, um, but with sort of interest in increasing more plant-based diet. We're relying more on beans and pulses and nuts and seeds and cereals now. Um, as I said, more people are sort of um, giving up meat. And I think there's a suggestion that if we eat 20% less meat, then our meat consumption would be more sustainable and be better for the planet. Um, and some people are giving up animal products altogether and becoming vegan or vegetarian. Um, so we need protein as an essential thing. And I say we, because some people are using less animal products, then you do need to be a bit more aware of and making sure you are getting ad adequate protein if you're 
and relying on beans and pulses, nuts and things. So, so carbohydrates on the next one. So all carbohydrate is converted basically to glucose to provide us with energy. Um, so the obvious sources are things like bread, flour, pasta, rice, cereals, oats, fruit, milk. Um, and it's preferable to choose the whole meal, whole grain versions of that for, for two reasons, really. Um, the first one, really, for our gut health. And again, there's quite a lot in the papers at the moment about gut health, which sounds pretty revolting, really. Um, <laughs> but there's increasing evidence, really, that there's a what's called a microbiome in our large intestine, um, which is bacteria, viruses, and fungi. And in fact, weighs about 1.2 kilos, which sounds even more revolting, right? Um, <laughs> but that's the so-called healthy bacteria that we, we hear about quite often. So it's not just bacteria, it's viruses and things as well. Um, but having that in a healthy position in our, in our gut is important. And it's thought that imbalances in that, where you get an overgrowth of one particular gut flora over another, um, affects both our physical health um, and also our mental health. And it's thought that the, the microbiome in the gut actually increases our immune system and um, reduces, therefore, the risk of inflammation and so on. So, you know, important that our sort of gut bacteria are the right ones and in the right order and, and so on. Um, and they feed on fibre-containing carbohydrate, basically. So that is the food source. Therefore, if you eat more fibre-containing um, foods, that will help with your gut flora. And there are, perhaps we can talk about later, there are prebiotics and probiotics that some people find are useful to help maintain their gut flora. And I couldn't resist putting in the quote from Proverbs, which leads me on to my next um, piece about it's not good to eat too much honey. So here we are, a bit of nutrition advice. So if I can come on. So, so carbohydrate, we need some for our healthy gut. So the next slide, thank you, here we are. Um, is the other aspect of carbohydrate, which is that carbohydrate is broken down into sugars to provide us with energy. And if you can see that, it's not, oh, it's not too bad. Um, so the top one is what happens really when we eat refined carbohydrates, so sugar, white bread, white pasta. Um, you can see the, the downs are much further down and the ups, the peaks and troughs are much greater. Um, so that's where you perhaps start off with your white toast for breakfast or whatever, with your marmalade on or something. Um, okay, it gets in your bloodstream very quickly, so your blood sugar level will go up pretty quickly, but it also drops down again very quickly. And that's why that about at 11 o'clock, then you're feeling, oh, you know, hungry, need something to eat, I'll go and have a cup of coffee and a biscuit or whatever. Um, so you're not full, you're feeling hungry, and your blood sugar levels are going up and down. Um, so in terms of mental health, that can make us more irritable, can affect our mental functioning, can cause low mood. Whereas, if you look at the second graph, um, if you eat wholemeal breads, fruits, grains, whatever, that, that are slowly digested and slowly absorbed, you get a much smoother effect of peaks and troughs. So it's a much gradual, more gradual rise doesn't peak as much, comes down a bit and then goes up and down again. So um, that smooths out the, the peaks and troughs. 
I think we were saying earlier, weren't we, about eating Christmas time when there's lots of tins of chocolates around in the house or the office. The great temptation is to keep doing that. And, uh, we were dreadful as dietitians Christmas time in the office. There was always stuff. Um, <laughs> probably, probably worse than anyone else, actually. But, um, well, that is why we, te- you know, we, get, we get hungry, we feel we want more, uh, a quick sugar fix, and that, that really is why. So, um, so we've got some whole wheel things over there today. Let's see. Right. I'm moving on then to fats. Um, so again, lots of fats got maybe a bit of bad press in a way. There's a lot of, be a lot of um, information to reduce our fat intake, which is still relevant. But in some ways, it's more the type of fat we eat perhaps is, is relevant as well. Um, so what we want to do is increase our the amounts of polyunsaturated fats that we have, so things like sunflower oil, rapeseed oil, um, and our monounsaturated fats like olive oil, um, and our omega-3s, which are things like oily fish, and then the vegetarian versions, things like flax and chia seeds are good in for omega-3. Um, and then the aim is to reduce the amount of saturated fat we have, so our butters and creams and dairy products, cheese, red meat. Um, and also the other baddies are the trans fats, and they're mainly found in processed um, foods, part of the processing process. Um, what we do need fats for energy and also as a vehicle for um, our soluble, fat-soluble vitamins. And what we're trying to do with changing our fat composition of our diet is to prevent the build-up of cholesterol in our arteries and blood vessels and therefore prevent heart disease. Um, and many, you know, many people are going to be... Well, some of you may be prescribed statins to help reduce your cholesterol levels, possibly. But if we can do it by diet, then it's obviously better to begin with. So that's your fats. Now, moving on to vitamins and minerals. Um, there are sort of hundreds of vitamins and minerals. seem to be lots of vitamins been invented since I, since I trained a very long time ago. Um, well, there's a lot of them. Um, so the answer is really to eat a wide variety of food as possible because then that will cover, that will cover everything. Um, but particular ones up there, the B vitamins and B12, folate and iron, um, perhaps most relevant women, because they're the ones that we're most likely to be low in. Um, and obviously, if you're low in iron, um, any of those ones, that results in anemia, tiredness, lethargy, low mood. Um, so, you know, important because many of us feel like that anyway without having low vitamin levels too. Um, and particularly, that's an issue with the change to more plant-based foods, because the absorption of B12, well, B12 is very difficult to get if it's not from um, meat sources, animal sources. Um, and the absorption of iron from vegetable sources is much less than it is from animal sources. So um, that's something just to bear in mind if you are reducing the amount of meat that you have and having more pulses, think about where you're getting your iron and your B12 from. And then with calcium, um, need calcium and vitamin D to maintain our, our bone health. So, again, so increased needs when you're pregnant, when you're breastfeeding. Um, and also, post-menopausally, um, you need to maintain your calcium and vitamin D to help prevent your bones thinning, um, resulting in osteoporosis. 
Um, and again, people who are reducing their dairy intake are also going to be reducing their calcium um, intake. So if you are doing that, look at buying calcium-fortified milk substitutes. Check they have got extra calcium in them. Um, in terms of vitamin D, in theory, we get most of our vitamin D from ultraviolet light on our skin when we're out and about. Um, sometimes looking out, you might wonder if that's the case today. But, it's, um, but obviously, you're more at risk of not having enough if you're not going out and about, um, if you're wearing covered clothing, if you're um, darker skins. So there is a recommendation um, that people in those circumstances do actually have a vitamin D supplement in the winter. Um, so again, might be something to think about. So in summary, then, that's a very quick run-through. Um, so eating regularly is important, then, um, particularly of high-carbohydrate foods and high-fibre carbohydrate foods. So we, get, we don't have this peaks and trough. We eat smoother out. Um, making sure we're having some protein um, in our snacks and our meals looking at the sort of fats that we're eating and including some oily fish or omega-3 type things. Um, eating a wider range of fruit and veg and things as we can. And five a day was the sort of campaign a few years ago, but that's still quite relevant, really, to try and have five bits of fruit and veg a day, if you can. Um, and fluid also important. We haven't really moved, talked a lot. Of, I haven't got time to talk about fluid, but six to eight cups of fluid a day, ideally low in caffeine and non-alcoholic. Um, again, helps with our physical functioning, our mental functioning. So that's a rapid run-through. Um, I'm happy to answer individual questions later if you have any. Um, thinking now a bit more about um, God and where God is in all this, trying to bring us back to our normal fo focus for Oasis. Um, I thought these might be some thoughts um, we could have in our groups in a minute. Um, so we want God wants to be involved in our in our daily lives. We ask Him about our decision making. We try and involve Him in things, but maybe we, I'm as much me as anyone else, we don't actually think maybe of Him when we actually are doing our shopping and our planning what we're going to eat and, and so on. Um, and maybe if we're having trouble with things, our temptations, for instance, maybe we should actually be asking Him to help us with with some of these things. Um, so thoughts for discussion is, could we bring God into healthy eating? Um, what about the food, good and bad, if you like? We eat it for God's glory. And what if we consider him in our planning and shopping and meal choices? Um, and I think the other important aspect is if we do sit down to meals with a heart of gratitude, um, knowing that God has given us a way to care for ourselves so we can be part of the body of Christ. So, thoughts for discussion. So there are some handouts um, with some Bible verses. Some verses are taken a bit out of context, but they are food-related, so not necessarily about food. Right, good. Thank you, Joy. That's, 